Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. And uh, man, what a so nice to look at those pictures. It's amazing, you know, the adults in that picture, you look the same, but the kids have grown up so much, right? And uh, it's so nice to worship together. And if you're visiting us today, I uh, want to welcome you. And uh, if you saw the jump houses in the back and you're super excited, that just happens today, all right? So don't be disappointed. But um, it is such a joy to worship together. And, uh, you know, it is on anniversaries and birthdays and these um, annual reminders that help us to, I think, stay uh, focused on where we're headed, on who is important, what is important. And uh, we celebrate our loved ones. We celebrate the accomplishments. Uh, but also we celebrate what is to come, what my life can be like. And so we get together. And 11 years have flown by, and I just thank um, our elders at our church who keep me accountable, um, our um, staff, Pastor John and Sergio and the, the team that does so much here, our CG leaders um, who host and give and serve, and all of our volunteers and all of you who come, who pray, who give, who love um, and worship together and make church what it is. We just want to, um, I just want to thank you. And, uh, um, you know, it's just a, a joy to be here like this, you know, on this day to celebrate. You know, uh, it's interesting. We come to the close of the Sermon on the Mount series. And uh, we've spent the last several months going through this. And at the end of it, it's talking about um, this idea of building a house on sand versus on rock. You know, you don't want to do something and realize you did it for no reason, right? And we've, we've made mistakes and blunders like this, right, where we've worked on an assignment or studied for a test and realized there was no test or that we did the wrong assignment or uh, we were rushing off somewhere and instead of going northbound, we were going southbound and didn't even notice, right, or um, things like that. I remember in college I had to go and time came when I had to get my wisdom teeth pulled out. And uh, I remember being kind of worried about this. I had four wisdom teeth and they're all coming out and they said, boy, it's going to be not fun, right? And we've all probably been there, those of you who are planning to do this, it's just not fun, right? And uh, we'll be praying for you. But uh, uh, there was a, a sister there who was a friend of mine, and she was getting, and I was particularly interested because she was getting her wisdom tooth pulled um, the week before me. And so um, I saw her at church, and I asked her, I said, and she came to church, and it looked like she had, you know, just like an orange, you know, inside of her mouth. I mean, it was just really swollen. And I said, oh, gosh, how was it? You know, I got to get it done. You only had to do one, but how was it? And I said, oh, wrong side. And I couldn't understand. I said, I can't understand you. You know, it sounds like you have orange in your mouth. Ah, you know, what happened? He goes, he opened up the wrong side. I said, what? And then he said, he opened up the wrong side. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, my wisdom tooth is here. He had the x-ray flipped upside down. And he opened up here and kept digging and digging and digging and couldn't find the wisdom tooth, right? And um, it was kind of funny, right, because um, <laughs> it happened to her and not me, but that I was really afraid, and I was like, and I was still debating, should I get a few done at a time? I said, no, I'm just getting them all pulled out, right, all at the same time. And um, we've done there, we've been there, uh, worked on the wrong thing, worked really hard to do something and it really didn't matter, or did the wrong assignment and wasted my time. Now, we talk about things that, uh, whether it's a wisdom tooth or a homework assignment or uh, directions on a freeway, but think about life. If you had the blessed opportunity at the end of it all, and God willing, well advanced in your years, and you had a chance to look back, wouldn't it be so sad if I said, boy, I've lived it the wrong way. I 
I put all my energy into the wrong things. I've raised my kids to value the wrong things. As a Christian, he, uh, we have to understand this. You know, Jesus here points out this basic, very simple, yet uh, such a deep story about two people, the fool and the wise person. The wise person builds a house. The wise person builds it on a rock. The foundation matters. The fool builds a house as well, but the fool builds it on sand. We've all built sandcastles before, but in, before you know it, it is washed away. And imagine building a house on this. And what he's telling us here is that whether you are the fool or whether you are the wise person, you are all building a home. A home represents life. All of you, whether you are a teenager or if you've had teenagers already, we're all still building something. We're all still building our lives. Our careers, our homes, our futures, our, you know, uh, our advancement at work. We're building something. We're working on something. And wouldn't it be just a tragedy to look back and say, I think I built it on the wrong foundation. Jesus at the end here gives these two choices to the disciples. He's explained the Sermon on the Mount, the life, the Christian life, what it is like and how it is different than the religious organization of the Pharisees. And he says, this is very different. And he says, now you have a choice. And he puts these two very opposite things together to explain this. He talks about the gate in chapter 7. There is the wide gate that everyone goes, but it leads to destruction. There is a narrow gate. He also talks about the trees. One tree is now diseased and it's bearing bad fruit. The other tree is bearing good fruit. And here, as he continues, he talks about one person builds a house, but it's built on sand. And when the storm comes, it will be demolished. The other person builds a house, it's on rock, and nothing can now move this house or this life. And today we want to look at the, the difference between the wise and the fool. And we are building our house. It's interesting. It's both people are building the house. Both people are building it in the same region because they're going to be hit with the same good news and the bad news. And they're building this. And you are all, and we are all building our lives at this point. And we want to be wise. You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, these attributes of the wise person we see here. The first, person, the first thing is that the wise person listens. Isn't it ironic? It's usually the wise person that listens and asks questions. It's the fool that says, I know it all. It's the fool says, let me tell you. But the wise person listens. You know, he repeats this over in verse 24. Everyone then who hears, verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine. He has a group of people, his inner disciples are there on the mountain and the others are now coming back and forth and listening to his teachings. And he says, who is hearing me? Because some are just coming because their friends are there. Some are just coming because they have nothing to do. Some are just going because, hey, the crowd is there. But he says, who is listening? Proverbs 12.15 says that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. It is this uh, great Shakespeare quote that many of us heard. It says, a fool thinks himself to be wise, but a wise man knows himself to be a fool. I had an opportunity years back, about uh, six, seven years back, to give a, a series of talks on the book of Romans, a Bible exposition. And there was a leadership camp um, 
uh, happening at Vanguard, and I would do a week-long series on the book of Romans. But really, the main speaker of that time was Dr. Um, Os Guinness. Dr. Os Guinness is uh, arguably one of the brightest Christian minds and thinkers of our generation. And so he was the one that everyone came to see. You know, it was like I was kind of the opening act. You know, that you go to the concert, this opening act, I never heard of them. It's nice, but let's get with the main act, right? Um, and so I, I, I would do my thing. And, you know, I could tell that I was the opening act and I was not the main act because my time slotted was at 6 a.m., right? So I was going to teach Romans um, chapter, you know, 1 through 11, uh, probably the most difficult section of the New Testament. I was going to teach this at 6 a.m. And we have about 80 or 90, um, you know, early 20-somethings, college and post-college people. They're all coming at 6 a.m. And then as I'm going into this, everyone is falling asleep and they're, you know, uh, it's difficult. And then in comes Dr. Oskin as he sits in the back. He's the only one with all white hair. He's in the back. And his eyes are alert and he's listening to everything I'm saying. And as uh, speaker and being intimidated I wished he would leave you know but the people who needed to listen are dozing off right all the 90 20 year olds are barely just they're doing this and the one guy who is the most educated in the room by far is now nodding and listening and he's even jotting notes first time I saw him jotting notes I thought oh man you know I gotta avoid him. You know, he was gonna have to correct me, and yet he humbly came to me, asked me if I wanted to go get a cup of coffee after. I asked him, Would you wanna to come to Crossway and preach? And he agreed. And the irony of that it is the wise person who says, I wanna listen. And here he says that the wise person who's building his life, it's like this He says, Are you listening? Are you asking about life? And you think about the biggest things in life. You have to take a class to learn how to drive a car. You have to take classes in order to get some kind of certificate to do work and work certain machinery. But boy, the big things in life, the destiny of my life, God willing, having a child. These are things that we go into not knowing anything about. And it is the wise person that asks, how do I live? Goes to the words of how do I live? How am I supposed to spend these days, these years, these months are flying by so fast. How am I supposed to live my 30s, my 40s, my 50s, 60s, 70s? How am I supposed to live? What is life supposed to look like? And they ask. Not only do they listen, but they listen to the right voice. The wise listen to the right voice. Um, it says here in verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine. And Christ wants to make it clear, you have to hear these words of mine. Don't just listen to anything. We have people today that will listen to anything and anyone because they're charismatic, because they're eloquent, because it makes sense, because I like that what they're saying, because my friend says it's good, and we chase different things, doctrines and philosophies all along, but listening to his word, we have to go to his word. You do not want to build on the wrong foundation. But you want so much to build on the right foundation. Right? It is James uh, Montgomery Boyce in his sermon on this text. He says that the fool makes two mistakes. And that person can make these mistakes. They build on no foundation or any foundation. Just anywhere. 
It means that they build their life on nothing or they just go chase for meaning of life and they try to build it as it comes. It's interesting, thirdly, the wise here is more concerned about the unseen than the seen. It's the fool that builds the house. The house is seen, the foundation is not seen. Right? It tells us in verse 24 that he built his house on the rock. In Luke's version of this, in chapter 648, he says he is like a man building a house who dug deep to dig a deep hole to fill it. So that, that would be the foundation, how important that is. We get caught up in the things that are noticeable, things that we can show. But the secret things, the life of our faith, the integrity of how we live, the way that we pray and walk with God, our spiritual lives are not seen. You know, one of the channels we would watch together as family, you know, the way we watch TV has changed, right, as the years have gone by and everyone's watching their own things. But one of the things we like to watch is the home network, right? The home, what does G stand for? Home Garden, okay, oh, they don't do much gardening, all right? Anyways, so it's just the home um, network, and you watch it, and, you know, they'll take a dilapidated house, and they put all this money in, and in 30 minutes or whatever, they make it into an amazing house, right? And um, you get inspired, and you go to home, your wife sends you to Home Depot, you try to do something, and it does not look like what Chip and Joanna just did. Um, so you now you got to go return it or whatever it is. And so I'm wise enough. I tell my wife, I, I can't even, I'm not close to Chip, I can't do it, so let's just watch TV and uh, enjoy the show. But anyways, at the end of it, they have the big reveal of the house. And almost always, a little inspirational music comes on, and the, the, the young couple is there, and they show the house, and they break out in tears, usually. It really makes for good TV, you know, the woman is crying, the guy is laughing, and they're hugging, and, you know... Um, my wife and my daughters are like, oh, that's so nice. And I'm like, why is she crying? And, but she's crying over things like, oh, these subway tiles. These are subway tiles. Or, oh, this backsplash. And they're touching the backsplash. Oh, my gosh. Feel the texture of the backsplash. Or uh, this countertop. This is my dream countertop. Right? It'll be out of trend in 10 years. What are you going to do that? It's my dream countertop. But rarely do they show. Let's go look at the foundation of the house, right? Let's go look at the unseen part of the house. Let's go into the bottom. Look at that foundation, right? Let's, do, let's get the inspector and let's search this. And they should be crying over that, right? But what do we do? In just the same way, the fool says, I am so eager to build my house. My friends could come over. My neighbors could see. Boy, look at the design of my house. Look at the, uh, the little ornaments that are now part of my house look at the color that i used and we get caught up in the visible but yet the wise person focuses on what is invisible and yet we have uh, we easily fall for that same trap oh look at my degrees Look at my new thing. Look at my new toy. Look at my new adventure where I went. And we get so caught up, we tend to now identify ourselves by those things. But what is invisible? The quiet times that we have, the reading of the scriptures, the change that is in our hearts, not just on the clothes or the hair, how important this is. Coming together to worship and to change 
and to dig deep into the things that matter because when life comes at us, that we would not be swayed. You know, it's interesting. Um, you cannot help but to refer back to Ecclesiastes when you think about a topic like this. And you think about Solomon who had everything. He had so much of everything. If it's, boy, people that worked under him, he had the most. If it was gardening, he had the best garden. If it was about his home, he had the most homes. If it was about wisdom, he was the wisest. People would come and ask him for wisdom and wise sayings. If it was about women, he had uh, harems and harems of women. If it was about entertainment, he had live entertainment follow him around. He had it all. And I believe it is at the end of his life he writes Ecclesiastes. And all throughout Ecclesiastes, as he looks at all the things that he has built, his house, if we could say, he says all of it. And he keeps using the same word over and over, meaningless. Meaningless. The Hebrew is the word hebel. It's meaningless. It's translated in the NIV as meaningless, and the ESV as vanity. Another translation is emptiness. Now, these are good things. Good food and good times and good friends, these are all good things. I'm not saying it's bad, but yet it was meaningless at the end of it all. And that word, meaningless or vanity, is also used in Psalm 144 and in Job 7 to describe the mist of the morning breath, the morning breath that comes out. If you live somewhere cold and you come out and, boy, you exhale and you can see your breath. It appears for a little bit and it's gone. That is why at the end of it all, at the end of chapter 12, he closes by saying to remember your creator in the days of your youth. Don't do these things. Don't have the hobbies and the careers and the things and the achievements. Those are all good, but remember your creator. Dig deep into the foundation before you build the things that are on top. The wise person also plans... not. As he's digging, he's thinking about the future. Right? Obviously, the fool's not thinking about the tough times that will come. If we look back on this year, um, I'm sure for many of us, we've cried, we've prayed, we've had difficult news, disappointments come. And this is life. And certain commentators look at this passage here and they think of it as well when it's all said and done before we go to the face of God you know and judgment and some say this is just about boy life's hardships that come your way how are you going to stand and I think they're both true I've heard people say over and over and me and my wife we have gone through our trials as well you know we always say gosh how do people who don't have faith in Christ get through life it is so tough how do they get through without this kind of Hope. The wise person looks forward always. The wise person's thinking, this isn't always going to be like this. The wise person is thinking, one day I will pass away and I will come before God, who is the ultimate judge. What will I say? The wise person is thinking forward all the way to eternity. And we see here um, in verse 25, the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been Founded on the rock. Verse 27, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and, the, and beat against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So both the wise and the fool, they both 
face the same difficult things. One of them stands, one of them falls. Are we ready for eternity? Are we thinking about what is to come? You know, it was about 15, 16 years ago. And I've shared this story uh, before uh, because it had such, a, had such an impact in my life. One, my, one of my high school best friends who became my college roommate, his name was Kevin Donovan, had called me. We were 31 at the time. And he called me. He was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And he says, the doctors have given me three to six months to live. You're a pastor. I need to figure out how am I going to get into heaven. And that's what he said. And as friends, as old friends, we were very kind of straightforward with each other. He says, all right, I want to really know if you know what you're talking about. All right. And um, you can't fool me. And, you know, I went to go see him. His uh, physical uh, appearance had changed quite a bit. And uh, we would have these Bible studies that would go for years. felt like years, but it would go for hours and hours. He would often fall asleep during my Bible study, and I would, you know, hit him on his foot, hey, don't be rude, you know, he goes, no, it's because I'm sick, I'm like, no, it's not, you know, you're, 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 I knew you, you know, and we had that kind of relationship. I get a call, it's interesting, because he accepts, accepted Christ, and he was telling me great plans, when he gets well, what we're going to do, how he's going to live, and I made him a CD, and at that point there was a praise song he will come and save you some of you guys remember that song and this was his favorite song and he had the little cd player in the back of his bed and it was on repeat it was just the whole album is going and going all the time every time i come over and i get a call on a monday night and he didn't even make it to six months that i get a call they said you know what he's gonna go any minute we can't even feel his blood pressure can you come and i drove at night to the ucla medical center i got there uh and I see him, and he's surrounded by his father, his wife, and all his loved ones are there, and they kind of clear the path as I go. Um, I lay next, I, I, he's laying down, I sat next to him, and I was reading some scripture to him, praying with him. He will come and save you, is playing in the background the whole time. After about 30 minutes or so, I could literally see him exhale and take his last breath. His spirit had left. And gone. We have to think about that moment. And, that, and I sat there. Uh, his wife had left. And after a couple hours, he asked, can you just be here till uh, they all come and take him away? And I sat there in that room, 3 a.m., just me and his body. And the reality that he's before my Lord and Savior. And, and just wondering, boy, is he giving me any credit to Jesus? You know, like, hey, Steve did a good job, you know. And. Just, we have to look forward so that when time comes, we can say, Lord, I'm not shaken because of you. I'm not easily moved because of you. And it is in you I find my righteousness. And you know, this closes, you know, and, and I just want to close with this thought as we have this occasion today. The rock on which the house is built. The Bible speaks of the rock over and over. The Lord is my rock and my foundation. Christ tells Peter on his confession, on that statement, on the gospel, is the rock which he will build his church. And I pray for all of us that your foundation will be growing deeper and deeper. Week in and week out, you come to church might not see a difference, but as the years go, your foundation is getting stronger and stronger.
as you build your life on top, let's continue to dig deeper and deeper in Christ. And when, not if, but when, the winds and the storm hits us, we will not be shaken. We will not be moved because of the rock on which we stand. The cornerstone, Jesus Christ. We stand on him. Let's pray together. Lord, how foolish is it for us to exert all of our energy to try to gain our identity from the house we build on top without the house that is anchored to the bottom, to the rock. You are our foundation. You are more important than money or education or where we live or how we look. You are more important than that. You are the rock. And when the storms come our way, we will not be moved. You are with us. God, you are the good shepherd. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. And so, Lord, as we gather to worship you, as we gather to do church, we're not here to just be a consumer. We're here to dig deep into the foundation, the head of this church, Jesus Christ. And we find everything there. So in the days of our youth, this is as young as we will be today, God. We remember you. We pray in the name of the rock, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.